and welcome to Can Queer, home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. I'm Sebastian. And I'm Jess. We are joined by Jess. I am very excited. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, much like the episode where we had you on discussing... Our 200 uh, episodes you guys did. The 200 yeah. episodes, that was it. Much like that episode, again this week we have your, your significant other, Alex, hiding in the background. Yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Not funny as well. Yes. Uh, I am excited because after a fraught battle, and I use the word fraught here in, in accuracy. And battle. And battle. Yes. Accurately. <laughs> After a fraught battle, we are now available on iTunes. <laughs> this, is, this is true. I rarely listen to our own work because it feels navel-gazing in vain, but every so often there'll be an episode. I'm like, how was the editing on that? Because like it was a 90-minute interview, and how did we cut that down? And like sometimes I'll do stuff, sometimes you'll do stuff. But sometimes I'll do stuff, and you'll be like, how did he edit that? And we'll listen to it. And I usually listen on Podbean because it's mm. way more plug and play. Well, uh, this week we were going to be talking about the news. That was a challenge. We, we will get to more news later in the show. Yes. But we're going to be recording this in two segments. Mm. Because Feedly, the RSS aggregator which we use to follow hundreds of news stories, mm-hmm. um, is being on the one hand like maintenance. Yeah, when I, maintenance. When I mention to people that we use uh, Real Simple Syndication, also known as RSS feeds, uh, I have been told like that is very <laughs> 2002. But on the other hand, it is a very useful tool for news aggregation. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, for folks who are kind of wondering where we pull our stories, obviously the CBC. Yeah. But then we are also checking out PinkNews.co.uk, which is a British media site. Yeah. The American ones, which all focus on the same American stories, yeah. The Advocate, uh, Insight, Toll Road, although uh, Mr. Toll of Toll Road mm. has recently stepped down from Toll Roading. There's a few men's magazines that I follow yeah. because they occasionally will have sub-stories in there. So yeah. one's called Mel Magazine. And mostly it's hilarious articles where it's like, I gotta read this. Like, uh, which hot dog condiment is the least unhealthy? There was an article about this. Would it be one of the radishes? Like a green radish? It's mustard. I was gonna ask. Uh, okay, <laughs> it's mustard, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. it'll have weird articles like that. But then every so often it'll have stuff about like gay rights and masculinity and the relationship yeah. between Yes, yeah, so, contrasting. But right. that, that's why you have it on our RSS feed because then you can just skim through the titles and then read them. Yeah. So if you know of a good uh, queer news source that you think we should be following, let us know. We will possibly add them to our feedly if it comes back online. Later in the show, we will be discussing some news. But what I did find, which is quite encouraging, is that the Yukon has now led the country in its access for gender-affirming healthcare the uh, definition of what surgeries and procedures that is made available for those who are looking for gender surge, uh, gender affirming care has been expanded and is now the most expansive uh, list of potential surgeries uh, available anywhere in the country. And the uh, the Yukon government in the documentation around this has defined it as life saving, which hmm. I think is pretty accurate uh, for those who who are in need of these gender affirming surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go Yukon. Who knew? Very exciting stuff. Now, uh, Jess, I'm so glad that you were able to join us uh, today uh, because we're going to be talking about queer media and where one gathers that... that and, and not like news sites like I was talking about two minutes ago, yeah. but sort of representations in TV and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Last week, we've beaten the horse to death of the TV show It's a Sin. Yes. 
Um, I heard, but yes. it's good. <laughs> it's very, I'm actually compelled to watch it now, so that's good news. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our secret cinema. You know, the idea of um, you and your friends gathering together and choosing a collection of movies in a theme and sort of watching that. And oh. it's sort of, uh, I think Prince Edward Island, their pride organization, is having a series of film showings, but they're not telling anyone what the films are. Interesting. And they're just sort of different gay movies that are important in different ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we tried this. We told our listeners we were going to do a secret cinema. And me and Sebastian tried this, but my entire external hard drive with like all of oh my, my God, technology died. So, I mean, that's, simultaneously, that's, obviously. yeah, I mean, okay. in an instant. So, oh yeah, I had trouble finding movies. And we, we went looking for them and finding gay movies is not as easy as it would seem. So there's there's two issues here. Now, I've watched a lot of gay movies. A lot because first of all, I'm way more tolerant of low budget independent oh cinema God. than you are. I have no tolerance. <laughs> I am also in the same boat as Sebastian. We yeah watched a lot in our time together. Yeah. So uh, I actually I feel that if you really want good representation, independent, uh, it doesn't have to be low budget, but unfortunately, low budget tends to go with it. If you want to see yourself in a film, that's the way to go. And, and the classic fallback is Rudy Ray Moore. Like if, if like the black community in the States in the 60s and 70s, they did not see themselves represented in Hollywood whatsoever, except for like horrible stereotypes. And Rudy Ray Moore, starting with Dolomite and then sort of launching black exploitation from there yeah. is what created black cinema. And we're kind of in the same stage now where like queer cinema is kind of the same, where like on the one hand you have people like John Waters, who kind of launched things. You have Gregor Rocky, who did more artistic, tasteful, but kind of dark queer cinema. I know you've seen Invisible Skin uh, mm. with the guy who, like, he was sexually assaulted and he rationalized it as being an yeah, alien abduction. With, um, oh, I've never seen uh, that. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, yeah. like, a teenager. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I watch a lot of these low-budget, independent movies, and they're hard to find because they're they're poorly distributed, they're poorly advertised, Currently, they are being collected by... There, there's a, a web service called Tubi. That's T-U-B-I. And they have a lot of things put together. And that's actually... Because I started subscribing to Tubi, that I watched all the movies that I could find in the low-budget uh, gay vampire movie genre. Oh, my God. <laughs> I swear, people are going to think we're sponsored by low-budget... <laughs> Gay vampire yeah. <laughs> They can't afford that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, there, there are a few movies that actually surprised me. There's a romantic comedy called... Uh, I think it's called Is It Just Me? And it was actually really well done. They they did all the tricks to make a successful low-budget movie. You know, you you limit your cast. You limit the number of locations you have to film in. You, you film in a very specific order. It was pretty well done. Uh, probably the best example of this is actually Bite Marks, which is another gay vampire movie that I saw. It had three filming locations. Wow. So, I mean, that is how you keep your budget low. And one of them was a junk site. So, like an actual dump. So, I imagine that the uh, they just asked somebody for a favor and didn't even have to get uh, a filming license for that. That's how you keep your I budget I love low. scenes where it's like, obviously, your grandmother's living room. Grandma's and, yeah, living room. Grandma's living room. And, and the woods. Because like, you yeah. don't need a license for the woods. That's true. You can go yeah. to the woods. So, you get a lot of movies doing this. Uh, there's a British gay vampire movie that's entirely done in... Uh, it's split between grandma's living room and the woods. <laughs> 
uh, it's or, 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 or your uncle's cabin that no one's using for the yeah. Movie. Oh my god, there's so many of them. But yeah. you have to sit through a lot of stinkers. Occasionally, you come across things like it came from the Pink La- Lagoon, which is a mm. zombie horror survival movie. Except the two main characters are like screaming queens who just can't handle it. <laughs> They just can't even. <laughs> yeah, they just can't even. It's these these two gay men who are just in the cabin. All they wanted to do was drink box wine. And some of them are heavy-handed. A lot of them are, are sort of working-class intellectual movies. Like, they're kind of crass, like John Waters films. Mm. They're deliberately crass. Um, there, there was a very controversial movie that came out. But it was written and directed by trans folks. And it's called Ticked Off Trannies with Knives. <laughs> and... It's exactly what it says on on the box. It is a revenge film of the sort of Pam Greer revenge film genre, um, but with with trans characters in it. And it was exactly the kind of like exploitation garbage that you would want to see in this kind of a low budget film. Exploitation has a different meaning in cinema. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it it. it it, because of the title, it got a bad rap. But like the movie was just art. It, you know, if you're into garbage film, you know when we we follow a lot of news as evidence earlier in the conversation, and you know we've seen, for example, I think last week or the week before, um, the Birch Cage with uh, Robin Williams and Nathan Lane mm. was celebrating its twentieth anniversary, which is insane to think it's that old. Um, based on Le Cage Fall uh, before that. Yeah, the French one's um, and it's like 35 years old yeah, or something like that. it's a much older yeah. one. But then recently people have been seeing news clips about how the gay classic, and I don't know who allocated the word classic to this movie, mm-hmm. but they were like, the gay classic, Brokeback Mountain, oh, is, now, <laughs> is now celebrating 10 years. 10 years, yeah. 10 yeah. years in just madness. I mean, that's not a gay classic. Philadelphia, that's a gay classic. I would say Torch Song Trilogy is like probably the ultimate gay classic. Um, it, it's it's a romantic comedy from the early 80s, filmed in New York, and Matthew Broderick is one of the two love interests. And as far as I know, he's not openly gay. I mean, mm. he's married to, uh, what's your face from the Sex and the City? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, what's her face? Yeah. Harry Bradshaw? Um, well, that's her character's name. Oh, is that not her name? No. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah there Jessica Parker, that's right. In the 80s, it was risky for an actor to play gay and not gay mm. enough. And that lasted years. Yeah. So I remember when I was a baby lesbian in university... I used to follow the site. It was called After Ellen, and it was mm. very we, focused. We follow that. Yeah, and After Elton was the other one. It was the the men version, mm. whatever. Uh, but they were excited about any little representation mm. on TV. Like mm. there was a two minute scene in the OC, and they were like, "This is on the OC," <laughs> and like it was very exciting. So that's how I found a lot of my movies. Like, yeah. but I'm a cheerleader, better than chocolate. No but problem. I remember that like the representation was so little. Uh, but now like it's. It's more normalized, yeah, like yeah. to the point where, like Brooklyn Nine Nine has a lesbian or bisexual character, and she's so so just little things. I think we've come a long way. Um, not saying it's perfect, but, but I feel a lot better watching media now, and I still get little, yay, look at the little lesbians, like. But it's like I think the 2010s we started to see gay baiting, 
where mm. the oh, oh, oh are they will they won't they will they oh, yeah. no they never do no but it's all alluding to the oh but wh- it's not are we are we maybe gonna get our hopes up and see a gay kiss never happens yeah. never happens. i think that was the oc thing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right yeah. there i'm There's actually like one episode and you're like oh they were almost lesbians it's fine i'm really into this new emerging trend of casual representation yes yeah. where into that 100%. them being LGBT is the least interesting thing about them. So mm. they did that in um, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, well, that it, the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. The guy yeah. who could see ghosts. Bisexual? No. Yeah. No bisexual. And yeah. just but kind he of, could see ghosts. It's just sort of like, oh, yeah. There's a thing in Doom Patrol. Negative Man is gay, and it's just kind of like dropped in there, like, oh, he's gay. Mm-hmm. But he's possessed by an alien spirit made out of energy. That's the most interesting thing about him. The fact that he has a, a, a dead gay lover is like the least interesting thing about but him. But it's more than just like just like Disney dropping in gay characters just to make everyone happy to have the representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more of like it's part of their character. But yeah. it's not a defining part like Will and Grace style. But it's <laughs> like so just like they're... Like but people. it's still difficult to go out and find LGBT movies. Mm. You know, I was digging around last night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch a gay film. And I couldn't find one. But I did find You're not Funny Chibi. Boy um, on CBC Gem. Now, Funny Boy is the movie based on the novel by Shyam Savadurai. Um, and I saw the trailer. I will be watching it later this week. But it was a bit heavy for where I was at at the time Mm -hmm. because it's about the sexual awakening of a young Sri Lankan uh, boy during the turbulent Tamil-Sinhalese conflict uh, in the Civil War. So there's there's a lot that goes on in that movie. Finding queer cinema... Uh, I mean, the best way, if, if you want to find new movies locally, film festivals is definitely Absolutely. the way to go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we've been to quite a few film festivals. I don't the, know what COVID-y that would be, though. So maybe yeah. a lot of them are going What was on the one we saw about the, the boxing lady a couple years ago? That one amazing. Was, that one was good. I can't remember the name of it. We'll look it up in the break. Um, but the Inside Out Movie Film Festival actually has a sort of a digital space that you can go check it. Mm. If you're in the province of Ontario... Um, they're working on licenses to roll it out as well. But they get a lot of those movies that are generating a lot of buzz. Mm. So, for example, the one with uh, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci about... Uh, single um, Man? Uh, no, about uh, Dementia. It's a new film that's coming out uh, oh, okay, this, okay, this yeah, week. Yeah. Um, sort of, you know, living with dementia and sort of how that impacts a relationship. The movie is about a relationship and, and moving with dementia in that relationship. Mm. Um, but it's it's two gay men of a certain age. Interesting. Um, yeah, and so I'm taking like, like a normal thing that actually is interesting to look at. Yeah, just making them gay people instead of yeah, absolutely. And I love it. It's got Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Who doesn't want to see that? But I mean, they tend to carry a lot of these movies where you're like, oh, I want like God's mm-hmm. Own Country, for example, um, which I think you can now get on Netflix. But it's it's those sort of movies where. Gay folks are like, yes, that's one I would I want to go and pay and see. Mm. So yeah, they tend to have a lot of those in there. There's also the one we saw with the lesbian from Kenya, and it was really subtle. It wasn't an exciting movie. I really enjoyed it. I found it very aesthetic, but I don't remember what it was called. I'm obsessed with the Legend of Korra. <laughs> I've watched it over and over again. <laughs> so, and that was kind of shoot in at the end because of Nickelodeon's uh, constraints. But... I mean, you could also say that about um, 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. But they did do a comic afterwards, and they follow through with it. Okay. So, like, the comics 
our follow through with their relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember so, when I saw that for the first time. I remember thinking like, "What?" Yeah, we'll just shoot it in at the <laughs> this end. This is completely unmotivated. But it's, a kid, oh, it's a kid's thing. I, I didn't have a problem. Also, it came out like fifteen years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, no, they've recently done the comics in the last, I would say, five years. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Don't quote me on that. But they uh, follow through as if they're a lesbian couple, hmm. which is really exciting. That's good. And I love it. That's good. They're adorable. I mean, obviously, history's best lesbian couple on TV is obviously. I can't wait. For Tara this. and Willow. Oh yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I think earlier you were earlier you were referring to the movie Signature Move. Uh, which was oh that good. is what it was called yes it was By, it wasn't uh, about boxing Zainab. it was about the sort of Mexican wrestling yeah it was yeah. about uh, lucha libre yeah lucha libre yeah so we strongly I suggest that, folk. But it, awesome. it was a a, a a lesbian Indian doing lucha libre in Toronto what's it called signature movie yeah it was really good <laughs> it was uh, created I mean, you and, like your lesbian or not your lesbian your uh, Mexican movie. I also like lesbian movies yeah I mean, you, <laughs> like, you like all the things they're, they tend to be really lighthearted. yes some of them are, are they're not they're not as heavy handed as some of the gay movies are I don't know I my heavenly creatures just came to my brain and that's Oh yeah, really, really. That one's pretty. Well, we are we are going to jump to a song. Um, There could be two takes of this particular song, but we're jumping to our first song, which is "J'étais vers sur." I can't even read your "J'étais vu hier soir." "J'étais vu hier soir." Yes, I saw you last night. Excellent. Great. <laughs> also the name of the song um, by Annabelle uh, Chevstek, and we will be back just after this. Je t'ai vu hier soir caché dans le noir Sous la lune argentée Tes cheveux comme la nuit, tes jours comme des fruits, ma chérie, t'es une vraie beauté. Oh la la, oui oui, ça va. Oh la gaieté, félicité, félicité. Je glisse sur ta peau et on fait des sursauts, mon amour, mes cuisses sont chaudes. Je glisse sur ta peau et on fait des sursauts, mon amour, mes cuisses sont chaudes. Oh, oh my, you 
in your skin and we're rolling, we win and the morning begins to bloom. Je glisse sur ta peau et on fait des sursauts, mon amour. Mes cuisses sont chaudes. I swim in your skin and we're rolling, we win and the morning begins to Welcome back to Cancria, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, Jess has now left the show. Mm-hmm. She is uh, off doing her own thing uh, elsewhere. Thank you, Jess, for coming and joining us a little earlier. Uh, now, earlier we were talking about the fact that Feedly, <laughs> the RSS aggregator we use, was offline. Um, we, we weren't able to fully record in one go. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the second attempt at recording this show and what did we do in the interim um we just had some wine and hang out and, and barbecued a chicken watched oh no two yeah. of the gay vampire movies we did watch we watched <laughs> bite marks i will say as a gay vampire movie skeptic bite marks was better than expected yeah and then vampire boys was worse than expected was was worse than it's expected. the kind of movie you need to watch with friends with drinks in your hand at which point it's delightfully wonderful a whole bunch of like what is motivating this choice why Mm. did you do that where's the light coming from so bad that it may have been the inspiration for twilight especially some of the acting like (laughs) did robert parson go to the school of this acting for that particular vampire it was uh it was quite something um, but uh, before we dive into uh, some of the other stories for today, right. uh, let's start off with Canada. Oh, Canada. Let's oh, yes. start there. Um, first of all, we are based here in the city of Ottawa. It was. Yes, yeah. thank you. I'm glad you even noticed. Um, yes, we're based here in the city of Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And the city of Ottawa's mayor came out in 2018, I think, mm-hmm. in the Pride. Of 2018, it may have been 2019, I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, Time these days, what is time? I know, the whole pandemic, like, I've lost all track of Mm -hmm. the space-time continuum. Um, But yeah, aside from that, he is the first mayor in all of his history to be openly gay, one of the only openly gay mayors in in Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was quite a big deal when we came out. We interviewed him uh, at the time. We are planning on doing a bit of a follow-up and seeing how he's doing. But apparently, the mayor, understandably, as a city official, uh, gets up early, goes to work. But some folks know where he live, uh, lives, and uh, they put up some hateful graffiti um, at his house. Yeah. Some homophobic hateful graffiti mm-hmm. uh, at his house. Got up, went to work, saw something, was like, oh, that's disappointing, I'll check it out later. And then his neighbor apparently like called or texted him to say, like, do you know what this says? Yeah. Well, I think the neighbor called the police. Mm. And the police then like called the graffiti removal guys. And by the time the mayor like even realized what was happening, the graffiti removal guy was there with like nail polish remover, kind of like scrubbing it all away. It's usually a power washer. Okay, well, power washer. <laughs> but you know what I mean. But yeah. I mean, that's encouraging that the city reacted so quickly to any hate graffiti. Mm-hmm. We know that, uh, I don't think this is unique because it was on the mayor of uh, Ottawa's uh, yeah, they, uh, property. They tend to uh, act really quickly on this stuff. Yeah. Well, a lot of folks expressed support. The uh, Ottawa Police Service issued an announcement saying that they take all allegations of hate uh, incredibly seriously. Mm-hmm. I will 
pointedly point out mm -hmm. that under the new chief uh, slowly of the Euro Police Service, uh, there is no LGBT liaison committee or community engagement because they mothballed it about a year or two ago. I think they put everything on pause over the past year. Yeah, but they mothballed yeah. it before the pandemic. Yeah. So how seriously they take it remains to be seen, but they did respond quickly in this case. Mm -hmm. um, and Justin Trudeau, obviously the Prime Minister, um, also tweeted out his support for the city of Ottawa's mayor. Ottawa also is in the news because apparently on a per capita basis, mm -hmm. and uh, we found out from our source, your mum, mm -hmm. uh, that it's also the same in, in Hamilton and elsewhere in Ontario. But on a per capita basis, Ottawa has received less vaccines than uh, other parts of, of Ontario. Yeah, that's... Specifically the GTA. Yeah, that's a logistics issue. I mean, it, obviously it's unrelated to the mandate of the show, but it is a point of interest for sure. Although something that I found very interesting about um, the story with uh, Jim Watson is uh, he, he said the... There's data showing that there's been an increase in hate crimes in the Ottawa area over the past like four or five years, but the mayor's office sets the police budget. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> and then the police have been complaining for a while that they, they need, so I don't yeah, know. They, they, I don't think it's, the, I mean, to be honest, it's often the police services board, which has councillors on it. The mayor, I think has a seat on it, but he doesn't usually actively. Yeah. Sit yeah, on yeah. It. It's a symbolic seat. Though. And they've pretty much approved every budget increase. The police. Have it's asked like for. how the queen technically has the right to vote in parliament, but didn't no, she, she doesn't. I thought she did. No. I thought the house of Lords, she had a vote. No. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Um, and she does have veto power, doesn't she? Yeah, she can choose not to sign anything. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which she has done twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the... I'm glad you brought up addressing hate because I do want to acknowledge that a lot of folks are talking about Stop Asian Hate. Yes, I've um, seen this, yeah. We haven't really addressed this so much as a show in the past because this is coming off the back of the murder of six Asian women uh, in Atlanta, which is a, a horrific attack. Mm -hmm. um, and we also know that uh, Asian folks in Canada have, have had a long history of oppression. Mm -hmm. You know, the Japanese internment, for example, is the most vivid expression of that. The most interesting thing that a lot of people don't realize is that Asians in Canada have a long history. Mm -hmm. And that, especially if you're looking at the West Coast, there's about 200 years of history. I mean, it depends on how you're counting, about what... But yeah, there's about 200 years of history, at least, of Asians in Canada participating in society, not just being here, but like, you know, engaging in small business and engaging in their community and, and building stuff and participating. And, and that, that history tends to get, because it's a smaller history, because there's fewer of them, it's mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, you tend to focus on the big picture issues. From what yeah. I understand, though, BC is taking Asian history in Canada very seriously because it's mostly focused there. But like... The Spadina area in Toronto, there's about 100 years of Asian history in Ontario. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, I, I we, remember, we need to pay more attention to it, but I understand, like, it's a smaller population. It's about as interesting as the Ukrainian history mm -hmm. in Canada, but, like, we should pay more attention to these things, for sure. When we were doing the Bruce MacArthur murders in uh, 2016, 17, I yeah. think that was, uh, we went down to Toronto and we talked to the uh, Southeast Asian uh, HIV network, I think mm -hmm. was the folks, and because one of the victims was a, was a South, South Asian man. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's, you know, there's definitely racism that exists in, in Canada. Actually, uh, Jeffrey Bauer-Chapman, 
who is a black black Canadian, mm-hmm. who was a guest judge on the Canadian uh, RuPaul's Drag Race mm-hmm. or RuPaul's Drag Race Canada, hasn't signed up for another season. I don't think Jeffrey Bowie Chaplin has specifically pointed at the deluge mm-hmm. of racist hate he received online um, during his time as a, a judge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it has definitely been pointed to as one of the probable reasons why he's walked away. Yeah, I, I remember this whole thing where, like, we took issue with him sometimes of being overly rude, but, like, that wasn't a race issue. That was, like... I mean, him as a judge. Brooklyn like, Heights was also overly rude. You yeah, know, I wasn't keen on any of them as judges, to yeah. be honest. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, the racist backlash was completely unforgivable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And likewise, to refocus the conversation, oh, yeah, racism sure. against Asian folks is also completely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, not especially, but, but, you know, for a gay radio show, it is, you know, uncomprehensible that our own community would further perpetuate hate against somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it baffles the mind, and I sincerely hope that all of our listeners will take pause and and, uh, and, and consider how they can, can avoid and tackle um, anti-Asian hate and, and racism mm. uh, at large. Um, I want to talk about Norway very quickly. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the Data Protection Agency of Norway issued one of its largest fines ever. It was about £11 million... Um, I can't remember what the US dollar amount was, but it was it was very substantial okay. against Grinder. Okay. Oh, I don't I haven't heard about this. Yeah, we talked about it on the show because Grinder had been vacuuming up uh, data about oh. all of their users and uh, selling it on. Well, I know that the CEOs of competing platforms like uh, Scruff and Hornet and all that. Uh, also, actually, I think the CEO of Tinder came out. No, was it? No, it wasn't Tinder. It was um, uh, Plenty of Fish, who are based out of Vancouver, I think. And they basically came out saying, like, we have very sensitive data about a lot of people, and you can do a lot of harm. Stop interacting with state-level entities. Yeah. And uh, that was mostly directed towards Grindr. So the... Sorry, it was an 11.7 million US dollar fine. It was 100 million Norwegian kroner. And uh, they, yeah, they were saying that uh, they were selling users' personal data, and it was the uh, Data Protection Authority. Hmm. But now the Norwegian Consumer Council okay. has lobbied the Data Protection Authority, the one that has issued the largest fine ever levied against Grindr. Okay. Um, and they've now asked the Data Protection Authority for Grindr to identify and delete all of the illegally collected personal data. Oh. So they were fined for having legally collected all of this personal data. Mm-hmm. And now the Consumer Protection Agency is like, well, they should delete that data that yeah, they yeah, yeah. obtained illegally. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is certainly going to be quite a task for, for Grindr to do. Yeah. Um, but I think what it does, it sets the stage for these apps across the whole world. It's actually really weird. Like, in some ways, the only person who knows more about you then a dating app would be like, you know, the tax revenue agency. Mm, actually, and even then. Even then? You know, <laughs> I don't know, because these dating apps is a dragnet. They pick up everything. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of folks are enjoying the sunshine and thinking about how to enjoy the summer. Well, in Copenhagen uh, in 2021 is the upcoming World Pride 
and the Euro Games. Okay. Uh, which apparently they're expecting to have in-person events. Okay. For both of these, uh, it's scheduled from the twelfth to the twenty-second of August. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. Would you go to Copenhagen uh, if you were, you know, given the money to travel, for example? Yeah. To, uh, <laughs> to they're expecting sixty thousand people to take part in World Pride. I mean, and, uh, in current the gay year, games. it's complicated. But yeah, no, I definitely would like to see Copenhagen one day. You know, stand on top of that big hill and look out over everything with 60,000 of your closest friends that's actually a joke uh, oh I see Denmark is famously flat oh I see <laughs> so uh, sorry they were sex- expecting 60,000 at the gay games but over the course of the world pride in Copenhagen they mm. are expecting as many as 750,000 people to attend across the 11 days I don't know if this has come up before no it's definitely come up I don't know if it's come up recently that uh, on some years it depends it goes year by year well it goes every four years but there are years when the gay games has more participants than the Olympics Mm -hmm. and it's actually a huge event and there's a lot of people who are in the Olympics who aren't gay who also go to the gay games just because it's an open competition and that that's its point it's really weird so speaking on the topic of Pride before we jump to our next song, uh, we have been talking about how London Pride UK, London UK Pride, mm. um, lost its entire community advisory board. They, they quit en masse following uh, serious allegations of racism mm-hmm. by senior members of staff who were black and then resigned in, in protest. Um, a lot of sponsors have started to pull away, but now... By Pride UK, mm-hmm. the uh, Britain's largest bisexual advocacy group, okay. has also pulled out of Pride London. Hmm. So this is this is big deal because By Pride UK is really the go-to for bi folks um, in the UK. It is a, a massive less, uh, loss, and they were saying that it is due to the fact that Pride London has failed to address. Mm-hmm. Uh, the accusations of racism within our leadership. It is worth noting that most of the board also resigned, including the co-chairs uh, of the board uh, of Pride London, mm-hmm. um, as they try and address this uh, ever-growing scandal, I think. And we say this because Pride London is one of the largest Pride organisations in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we reported a lot about Toronto because it's in Canada and Toronto is the center of the universe, obviously. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, but also Toronto Pride is like, what, the third or something largest Pride in the I mean, it dep- again, it depends on the year and what everybody else is doing. But Toronto is usually in like the top five yeah. in terms of number of participants, the amount of money spent, the amount of money earned. It's a really good tourist trap. Yeah, like a million people attend and Toronto has a... Three million person population. Yeah, like, like you know, the the population of Toronto noticeably goes up for a week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump to the song "Maga" M A G A by Gigi French. We shall be back just after this. <laughs> Les yeux éclosent pleins de bébés araignées qui se mettent à mordre la peau de la pauvre araignée. Elles ne s'en confient pas, c'est dans sa capacité de donner tout ce qu'elle a au-dessus, sa crivier. Alors tout autour, tout autour, tout autour, tout autour. 
Korean media, uh, I'm Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, let's jump to some good news. Good news. Some good news. The Americans have now approved the first openly trans person in, by Senate. It's the first time a U.S. senator, uh, the U.S. Senate has uh, approved uh, an openly trans official. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is Dr. Rachel Levine, who has been assumed, uh, confirmed by the Senate to become the Assistant Secretary of Health mm-hmm. at the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, the religious right vehemently opposed her. A lot of Republicans also opposed her. But enough of them voted in favor that uh, it became a bit of a non-issue at the Senate and she was able to be confirmed. I've seen a few criticisms that she doesn't have the medical background that you would want in that position, but fundamentally that's a political position. And you're really there for optics and negotiating and talking with people and doing announcements. And it, it's it's a glorified politician's position. Like, you don't you need to listen to the experts. Yeah. You don't need to be an expert. But Dr. So. Levine skyrocketed to the national stage in the U.S. Mm. Um, over the summer mm-hmm. because her management, she was the, the doctor in charge of COVID response in a, in a, in a, in a state, I believe it was. 
Um, and she managed it so well. The envy of the other 50-odd states. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, this state's doing it really well. And, oh, my gosh, it's run by an openly trans woman. Wasn't it Florida? I don't think it was Florida. Florida has done really, has done really badly. Okay. So anyway, that's some good news. Dr. Levine has now become the highest ranking um, openly trans person confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. Also in interesting news, Alan Turing, the godfather of computers, has been put onto the 50-pound note Mm -hmm. in the United Kingdom. Um, I know that Canada is also looking at updating one of its notes. I think it's the $5 note is being updated. And there's a lot of talk about um, Terry Fox. Oh, okay. uh, being put onto the note. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Britain has been going on about updating its notes for a while. Terry Fox and... has definitely been on a coin. We put everything on coins here. So, this is true. Yeah, I'm positive I've, I've seen Terry Fox on a dollar coin. Uh, which actually, the lower the denomination, the better usually, because it's in higher circulation. You see it more often. It's more of an honor to be on. Like the blue nose on the, the dime is more of an honor than being on the 100 pound note, for example. When that supposedly smells like maple syrup. Yep. So um, the fifty-pound note. Uh, yeah, no, it's such a. Yeah, it doesn't smell like maple syrup. <laughs> uh, bit of so a time yes. delay on that one, yeah. <laughs> so as folks may may not, Alan Turing was um, he helped to create the computers mm. uh, that cracked the Enigma code. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, the Nazis during the Second World War uh, had a cipher which made their communications uh, nigh on impossible to break. Mm-hmm. And it was Alan Turing and the, the women, at, I think it was Bletchley Park, um, who cracked the code. And for about a year or so, uh, the Allies were able to, to intercept, understand, and react mm-hmm. to, uh, to the German communications. And the Germans were none the wiser because mm-hmm. they thought their code hadn't been cracked. It was actually one of the biggest secrets of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is partly responsible for bringing the war to a much swifter end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a result of breaking the code and saving hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives in the process. And also as a result, launching um, space travel, as we know it. Because without his computers, uh, we wouldn't have been able to put somebody... Well, we, like the world, would not have been able to put somebody on the moon. Because <coughs> the calculations involved in that are nuts. So in 2016, GCHQ, the uh, British um, Signals Intelligence, think NSA, people are so familiar with the NSA, uh, they actually officially apologized for how they had treated Alan Turing uh, during uh, the time that he was... uh, um, Alive. uh, yeah. Yeah. He was forced out of the service on suspicion of being gay in the 60s despite having helped to create computer science and, mm-hmm. and really the origins of GCHQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, GCHQ had the practice of outing people until uh, the 1990s. Um, but yeah, this is a, a huge achievement. Well, not achievement, but a huge recognition. Mm. Um, it's worth noting that the UK has also introduced a mechanism for soldiers and service people in agencies like GCHQ who were forced out and lost access to the medals and yep. uh, other things. They can now be uh, remedaled. I'm sure there's a technical term for it. Yeah. There's, um, there's and have their records expunged um, if they were uh, convicted of sodomy and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And Canada, I believe, also has similar practices in place as well. It's a couple of years old now. Uh, 
it's kind of faded in like they, we it wasn't all in one go like they did in, in the uk for us it was like a, a series of like you know you get your this reinstated you get your that reinstated and it was sort of like brought in bit by bit but yeah no in, in england it seems to be just all at once so you know it's so good news i guess apparently gchq uh, occasionally issues riddles to the public okay to, to get them to crack and i think it's a way of them sort of being able to spot uh, code cracking talent okay. in, in the public at large. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, these 12 riddles are all linked to the designs of the new £50 note and uh, feature information and details about Alan Turing's life. And it is considered to be the most difficult puzzle they've ever created uh, to honour Alan Turing. And it is estimated to take the best code breakers mm-hmm. up to seven hours. So if you are curious about whether or not you can crack the code, just do a quick Google search, GCHQ, Alan Turing, code or riddle, and you should be able to find it from there. Um, in other news, Italy has had a recent drive mm. for hate crimes legislation following a pretty horrific attack. Yeah, it was, it was pretty graphic. It happened in the subway and it was basically just a couple uh, held hands and kissed each other on the cheek and they got hospitalized for that and um it's i I think italy is in the school of thought of if you assault somebody you get hit by assault we don't need to put hate crime on there um which in a way i understand but the idea behind having the hate crime motivation is it just means that like you cannot get the minimum sentencing like this is this is a symbolic act it affects the whole community um, it's not a maybe separate thing, maybe additional thing, maybe you have to get maximum. It depends on what legal system you're in, how you decide to interpret it. But like them basically saying assault is assault may not cut it anymore given mm-hmm. current current context. Well, it's worth noting that not just in, in Italy, but of course in Canada and elsewhere, when gay men get assaulted, it's mm-hmm. not just a one-two punch and you're down. It is a vicious... Yeah violent attack yeah yeah. you know when gay men get gay bashed they die you know they're not you know they of course they get hospitalized but you know very Mm. often you don't get back up from that yeah there's a lot of uh for some reason in manchester uh especially it involves knives there's a lot of uh bladed weapon attacks uh against gay men in northern england um but yeah no it 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 does tend to be really grim The, the most famous case being matthew shepherd yeah. 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 Actually, there was Matthew Shepard was in the no- noise in the news this past week. Mm. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Matthew Shepard was a young gay man in Illinois about 20 years ago mm-hmm. who, if I remember correctly, was picked up by um, some homophobes, beaten to within an inch of his life, mm. tossed in the back of a truck. He was tortured over about a day and then left chained to a fence post in the middle of nowhere where he died from elemental exposure. He was chained to like that fence post for like a day and a half, two days before he was found. Yeah. The horrific abuse and the, the scale of the trauma inflicted on him mm. uh, was a shock not just to Illinois, but the whole U.S. and Western yeah. world. But this past week, Illinois, the Republicans in the state legislature defeated an attempt at bringing anti-hate crime or hate crime legislation into the state of Illinois. Mm -hmm. Uh, With many people saying it has been 20 years Mm -hmm. since this horrific attack. And in all those 20 years, Republicans in the state have continued to defeat recognizing hate crimes. Yeah. It is quite horrific. But I do want to end on a a bit of a, 
a bit of a, a slightly better note. Uh, the EU has imposed additional sanctions on people accused of persecuting LGBTQ people in Chechnya. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar, the authorities in Chechnya, which is a semi-autonomous region in Russia, mm. have been accused of rounding up and purging or arresting, tossing in jail, uh, forcing out of the country yeah. people that they believe are homosexuals. Um, uh, Canada has been a bit of a, a, a big recipient state. Mm -hmm. A lot of these LGBT refugees from, from Chechnya have fled and found their way to Canada. And we, we welcome them here, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but what's quite interesting is that recently the uh, Moscow, the police in Moscow, deported two young um, Chechen boys. Um, I think one was 17 and 20 at the time, back to Chechnya, where they were accused of terror offences. Um, I think the terror offence in question was opposing the state, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, for a state that is rounding up and torturing young gay men, it's quite easy to imagine why one would oppose that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that being said, these two young gay men, uh, gay men were rounded up and shipped back to Chechnya. Yeah. But the 17-year-old was denied a right to a lawyer because uh, his uh, the right to a lawyer rested with his parents and guardians. And his father had been picked up intimidated by local police and forced into signing a, a lawyer um, waiver form hmm. on behalf of his 17-year-old child, who still, to this day, is not represented by, um, by uh, lawyers and legal counsel in Chechnya. His parents fled Chechnya um, following the fact that his father was forced into this. Mm -hmm. um, and as a result, Chechen authorities this past week have rounded up no less than 20 members of this kid's family, all trying to find out where the parents are mm. so that they can continue to apply pressure and uh, uh, presumably continue this lack of legal representation for the 17-year-old. Uh, we don't know exactly what the Chechen motives are, but their practices are quite horrific. Mm -hmm. um, but the EU has sanctioned them. This is in addition to sanctions from Europe from earlier, in addition to sanctions from the UK. I believe Canada has also... Uh, impose some kinds of sanctions on the Chechen leadership. Mm -hmm. um, but it's horrific, and it is definitely something we should continue to keep an eye on. I mean, even, um, I think it was about a year ago now, Japan opened up their borders to LGBT refugees, and Japan is not a country known for taking in refugees. So, like, they they are acknowledging, like, a lot of places in the world are starting to acknowledge how bad some of this can be in some places. I, I think Japan is mostly taking them from, I'm going to say Cambodia, but... Um, they're open to the world, basically. Mm -hmm. People tend to take refugees from next door because it's easier to get them into the country. Like, it's if you're going to smuggle, you know, a refugee from Guatemala, you're probably better off trying to get them into Mexico than Hungary. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. So, basically. But, yeah, the, 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 there are people from Chechnya being just shipped out all over the world to get them away from... This horrific attack. And it isn't just exposition. There have been countless refugee reports, yep. all independently created by different uh, folks mm -hmm. in different countries. Mm -hmm. And all of these refugees fleeing Chechnya are talking about the same thing. Yep. Rounding up capture and torture by Chechen authorities yep. on the suspicion of being gay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely horrific. Well, on that lovely note, let's, I, I say here with a, a small note of sarcasm, uh, on that note, let's finish the show. We've run out of time. We're playing out with Two Spirit by Russell Wallace. Mm -hmm. I've been Luke Smith. And I have been Sebastian. And thank you for listening.